This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by the brilliant Naya Kihays. Naya is a principal in the Ambulatory Surgery Center ASC practice leader at ECG. ECG is an elite consulting firm in healthcare, a brilliant team and group. We're going to talk to Naya about surgery centers today, how hospitals view it, key implications of the Medicare 2021 rule changes on ASCs, and a lot more. Naya, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you so much, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been in my current role with ECG for five years, and it has been absolutely a spectacular experience to be able to lead ECG in the ASC space and uh, work with the whole group on a national basis, uh, which has allowed us to really expand our capabilities in the ASC space uh, with respect to relationships with hospitals and health systems and in private equity firms and other key players and stakeholders that have really become more involved you know, in the ASC space. We cover all aspects of the ambulatory surgery business in the practice. I've been fortunate, obviously, to be in consulting for about 25 years now, having you know owned Avea and now becoming the practice of ECG, um, but have you know really seen, as I thought, the ASC arena change significantly in the last five years. And I think the next five to 10 years are going to be very progressive and a lot of opportunity in the ASC space. Thing, and we're going to talk about a number of things. We'll talk about sort of opportunities for ASCs, cases migrating ASCs. We'll talk about hospitals and how they interact with ASCs, and we'll talk about Medicare changes. Talk for a second first about the implications of Medicare 2021 rule changes on ASCs. Well, there's a couple of key factors, you know, in these final rules that just came out, and um, one of the one of the biggest um, one a couple of the biggest areas I'd like to discuss are the new codes that have been added to the ASC list. There were 11 codes specifically, but then additionally, there's another 267 codes um, that were added as a result of the rule changes. Specifically to note are codes like total hip and actually the hemi shoulder that were added to the list, as well as uh, there are quite a few um, hysterectomy codes and some codes that I would identify that are definitely opportunities for migration from hospital to ASC setting. And I think what you can really see from the rule changes um, with respect to the code list is that, you know, Medicare is creating more opportunity for surgery centers to do more. Along the same line is the elimination of the inpatient only list over the next three years. When you look at that rule change, that's another, I think it's about 1,700 codes that would come off of the inpatient-only list, uh, not necessarily mean that they all go to the ASC list, but go to the HOPD list, and then I would expect us to see some coming over to the ASC list in the future. But again, the spirit of it is that these procedures can be done in the outpatient setting. That is a very, very telling element in the rules that, that again, supports additional migration from inpatient to outpatient, whether it's HOPD or ASC. Again, this, the whole outpatient push uh, for surgery and, and reducing the total cost of, of care, um, which is greatly impacted from surgery migration. Those are probably two of the biggest um, areas with respect to 
the code list and the rule changes and the fact that the ASC update was, again, similar or the same as HOBD and overall is 2.4% based upon the hospital market basket, which then, you know, aligns and the consistency with the update factor is, has been something that, you know, was accomplished a few years ago and is consistent, you know, in moving forward um, to keep that hospital market update factor the same on ASC as it is for HOPD. I just really feel the fundamental takeaway of some of the key areas in the in the rule changes are pushing and supporting um, site of service, reduced cost, and migration of surgery. In, Naomi, ask you a question. As you see these changes in Medicare, you see this up-migration, what do you look at and think of as the big opportunities for surgery centers? Well, you know, clearly it provides surgery centers with the opportunity to expand services, whether it's capturing more volume from existing users due to, you know, further approvals on the list. Um, it also provides momentum for commercial payers to do more with ASCs. Um, I also have seen a lot of um, progression occur because of COVID, um, which has absolutely impacted um, surgery centers to partner and do more with hospitals to take on more volume. I think that's going to stay. Um, the commercial payers have, from our experience, have been incredibly supportive of ASCs and restructuring contracts so that they can move volume. So if their payer contracts are not set up um, to do these cases, we've seen commercial payers to be fast, you know, faster than they normally are, very responsive and setting up and restructuring contracts so ASCs can do these cases. And talk a little bit about how are hospitals thinking about these issues and looking at site of service planning. At one point, they tried to do more and more within the hospital four walls. Then they tried to move things to hospital patient departments, so they got paid well. How do they look at things versus hospital patient departments, versus surgery centers, versus the four walls? How are they looking at site of service planning? I think hospitals are, their awareness and their attention to it has heightened immensely in the last year. Um, and I think it will continue to progress. Um, if it doesn't, I think that hospitals are, who are astute are identifying and wanting to understand what their risk is for migration and if they are going to have a substantial risk for migration, which most do, how do they align and work in that outpatient space? So some of the things that we are seeing hospitals do is look at their entire book of business, surgical business, what site of service they are performing it right now. So if cardiology, you know, is in the hospital with all the, you know, CMS changes for the ASC list and also OVL, the office space lab, that is definitely an area that I see as being um, looked at separately. And then GI endoscopy, um, other procedural cases like pain management that are still being performed in hospitals um, versus truly what, you know, what's going to stay in the inpatient setting in the next five to 10 years versus what would be in that HOPD setting. And if they're in a state that has implemented extended recovery care laws, those questions go even deeper um, because the, the risk is greater. So if you've got a state like Oregon, which is now allowing you to go to 48 hours, 
you'll, you know, we're seeing more attention being paid to what happens with that tranche of cases today that's going to happen in the future. And we've got hospitals that are very, very, um, uh, they're looking at this tremendously. They're understanding uh, that they have a significant amount of surgery that's at risk. And they're also looking at um, their ASC partnership opportunities, either you know, with their own book of business decanting versus picking up um, incremental access to new partnerships that might offer them accretive value to offset some of the losses. One of the things that I think is really interesting is um, in doing quite a few analyses on hospitals and site of services, uh, site of service and surgery, is that many of them co-mingle inpatient with outpatient that causes inefficiencies in the health system. And I think that there is um, a lot more attention to, you know, how do I make the hospital more efficient because that's affecting their backlog of patients. And if I'm doing an, a traditional ASC type case in the hospital, but I have a backlog of higher acuity cases that can be performed in the hospital, how should they think about that from a planning standpoint in the future? And, you know, how many ASC should they have versus a, a freestanding HOPD that's maybe functioning like an ASC, but has broader ex, ex, uh, extended recovery care versus just using an ASC for same-day surgery. They're looking at all of, all of this now, um, all of the different types of service across all service lines. And many are asking, you know, what's the five to 10-year outlook? What should my inventory of ORs be? based upon site of service and licensure, as well as obviously impacted by CON, depending upon your, your state. It's been a pretty interesting year. Yeah, no, very much so. What about hospitals? Are hospitals looking to expand their footprint in the ASC space? Are hospitals employed physicians increasing the relationship of ASCs? What's the interplay there between hospitals and ASCs? Absolutely. Um, hospitals are absolutely looking at, if, they're not, if they don't have ASCs, what's their ASC plan? If they have ASCs, how should they be structured in the future? Um, you know, should they be continue? A lot of them have minority interests in ASCs, and where as they see the risk of migration and decanting volume, and not only losing the value just um, from the departure of those cases, if they have a lower um, equity position, they're looking to increase their equity positions because they know there's more at risk. Um, so I think you're going to see um, the structure of ASC hospital JVs change quite a bit. Um, we're also seeing a lot of hospitals looking at their employed physicians and owning an ASC 100% with no joint venture, but having their employed physicians use it and developing, um, you know, as part of their physician comp plan incentives. Um, for, you know, for lowering the cost of care and then rolling that into value-based contracting with payers. So that's another theme that we're seeing. And I think we'll see that continue to ramp up in the here in the near future. Fantastic. And then, Naya, talk for a moment about total joints, knees, hips, also the movement of cardiology. What does these mean? What does this mean for ASCs and how is it impacting ASCs and hospitals? The total knees and total hips, and now actually it'll be interesting to see because the partial shoulder is on the proposed or the final rules here for ASCs, not total shoulder, but partial as well. First of all, what's really important to 
to think about is that total joints are dominated by the Medicare population. So when you do these evaluations and you look at, you know, the history in hospitals, because even though some ASCs have been doing total joints and commercial payers up until 2020, the abundance of the volume is in the Medicare population. It's typically 60 to 70 percent of the volume is in the Medicare population. So the Medicare rule change is, is huge. It's a, it's a really big um, implication on ASCs and hospitals. And one of the things that, you know, we can't negotiate with Medicare. So obviously, the, uh, there's a couple of things that ASCs have to think about and are thinking about with respect to migration. You know, what is really the macroeconomics of that book of business? If I'm 60-40, so 60% Medicare and 40% commercial, and I allow all of that business through the door, looking at what the value of that book of business is for a day, because I can allow the surgeon now to book their whole case, and I'm not restricted due to the CMS rules, which are now allow us to do that there. If ASCs choose or, or they are not, maybe from a cost standpoint, they have um, cost limitations from doing some of the government patients, they most likely will lose the commercial patients as well because the surgeon's practice patterns are you know, going to want to book a whole day. So looking at the economics of what that total joint surgeon is worth in a whole day across all payers is, is really important in understanding their cost. Their volume will, um, you know, as the volume goes up, their cost is expected to go down, obviously just from basic economics. But also we have seen total needs since t- in 2020, before and after COVID. We have done a couple of analyses on on ASCs in health systems. In one ASC, we saw them doing, I don't know, three to five total joints per month before COVID. Then COVID shuts the ASCs down and shuts the hospitals down for elective surgery. They come back online in May and by July, they were, July and August, they were doing over 40 total joints a month. That was incredible to me. And this was just, this was one experience, but I know that there are other ASCs that we have reporting similar uptick. We have another ASC that the hospital has notified them due to research in their market of uh, of COVID that the hospital is at risk to shut down elective total joints. So the ASC has accelerated the implementation of their total joint program um, and we, our group helped them with putting contracts and actually helped them with some operational modifications to be able to accelerate the um, total joint program so that they can move forward as quickly as possible in 2021. And I know now that the HIPS just got approved, um, that's going to add more volume you know, when um, the ASCs are playing that role and, and a lot of them are partnering you know, with the hospitals in the local community because of of COVID, and and we're we're seeing a a what I would have expected momentum for ramp up to take a lot longer. We're seeing COVID ex, uh, um, accelerate that, but certainly ASCs have um, some very definitive you know policies that they need to think about, and you know what is the ASC eligible criteria for the total joint. We patient, we see ASCs, you know, looking at, you know, further at allowing more ASA level three cases through the door, um, but that's by clinical indication and careful review. But we also see them, you know, looking at age specific, 
you know, criteria. So it's, it, you know, the ASCs are, that we've been working with that are moving the total joints certainly have a clinical protocol process in place. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what those volumes look like, you know, at the end of, you know, going into 2021. Um, but obviously, you know, 2020, we'll, we'll see gaps because of the closing of elective surgery and ASCs and, and both hospitals. So it, it's, it's total joints, I think, is going to see incredible momentum into the ASC setting. And fascinating your point on that, that a lot of that's Medicare business, just because a lot of those yep. total joints are, are Medicare age and above. And thank right. you. And talk about surgery centers and migrating surgery. Any advice on key thoughts on optimizing the opportunity to migrate services from hospitals to surgery centers? Yeah, I think, one, it's incredibly, obviously, important to understand what your cost is if it's a new service line of adding that new service and getting ahead of it with your commercial payers. If your commercial payer contracts are not set up to do some of these new cases, don't do them and then ask for the rate increase that you need after the fact because um, then you're in the the payer's um, budget and um, you may not have as much opportunity to restructure those contracts the way you need them to be restructured because some of these cases are very expensive. They may require capital expenditures if you're doing total joints with robots or you know, taking on cardiology. You know, that's a whole different evaluation as well because what we're, and to answer your other questions, Scott, on cardiology, what we're seeing with cardiology is obviously these patients have higher comorbidities and the physical location of the ASC is pretty critical to the volume um, analysis on cardiology. Um, if the ASC is physically located inside the walls of a hospital, which we have seen some ASCs like within the walls of a hospital, we see that migration factor to be higher versus if they're literally in the parking lot of the hospital, um, we don't see the migration factor as high other than diagnostic and things like pacemakers and, and monitors uh, because the cardiologists and the comorbidities of that patient, they have to be able to rescue that patient if something were to happen. And so we see the proximity of the ASD relative to um, the opportunity for migration to go hand in hand on cardiology, but that also impacts you know, what does the ASC have to think about when they're planning for, you know, these types of cases and really understanding and talking to the surgeons, not don't just look at the ASC list, you know, understanding what really is the opportunity for migration factoring comorbidities and these other clinical indications. Naya, always brilliant to talk to you. We've touched on a number of different subjects, a lot of it related to hospital migration of cases to surgery centers, how hospitals spend for the cases should be at what's going on with total joints, cardiology, and movement there of cases, and, and what ASC should be thinking about. Naya, how much more learn more about you and ECG? You're a brilliant resource. I know a Yale graduate and over-the-top bright and a great, great professional, a conscientious professional. Tell us a little bit about how people find Naya Kihase to work with you. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, anyone is welcome to reach out to me via email at n-k-e-h-a-y-e-s at ecgmc.com. There's also information on the ASC practice on the ECG website at ecgmc.com um, that they could find a lot of information both about the practice and the firm 
there. And I'm happy to answer any questions if anybody, you know, wants to reach out uh, to me directly. It'd be great to connect. You know, and lots going on. And I think that our world is changing pretty uh, significantly over, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of changes in ambulatory surgery in the next five to 10 years, both ASC and HOPD. And I think it has a lot of implications for future planning uh, for those uh, who are haven't looked at their outpatient volume. It's, it's a pretty high priority for looking at what's at risk um, and or opportunity if you've got backlog of cases that you can't do. You know, in a hospital, that's the other thing that we've run into, Scott, is there's a backlog of cases. Maybe an ASC, you know, and having that plan sooner rather than later is the solution because it'll allow more, you know, if there's backlog. Fantastic. I want to thank you, Naya, for joining us. Always great to visit with you. Thank you very much for joining the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thanks, Scott.